0: Welcome again to Hype soup Ministries. Um, I have one more announcement that, um, that was not in there. I know, I'm sorry. Um, so Kyle and Jennifer, if you want to stand up for a hot moment. So Kyle and Jennifer Dossett, um, I forgot to do this the last couple weeks, and I apologize to you publicly, um, but they had expressed interest in serving in Hype, and they uh, observed for a few weeks, and they uh, decided to make a commitment to serve Hype for at least... The calendar year, um, and so Kyle's going to be joining 6th and 7th grade boys small group, and Jennifer will be joining the 6th and 7th grade girls small group, so we want to welcome them, respect them when they are talking to you, when they're interacting with you, and please take time to get to know them. They're awesome people from the just a few conversations I've been able to have with them, so we want to welcome them to the Hype Student Ministry team. Yes? You can have a seat. Thank you. Um, I'm... I know for me, I'm super excited, um, to kick off our new teaching series, Gospel, um, living in the local church as we study through the book of 1 Corinthians. And this study of 1 Corinthians is going to take us the rest of the ministry year until we, uh, end our Sunday nights in April. Um, We will be, I know that seems a long time, but we're going to go through five sections of 1 Corinthians. We're going to break it down into five different areas, uh, sections of identity, sexuality, idolatry, unity of the church, and then we're going to finish talking about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and correcting false teaching. So that's going to be the five topics that we're going to cover throughout the rest of this uh, ministry year. Now, if you were with us last year, we took the entirety of the ministry year to go over which book? Yes, Jack. The Book of John. Actually, I got ahead of myself. Um, who was here last week? Where was were here last week? I totally forgot to add this in the announcements as well. But if someone, if a student could recite the scripture that we had to memorize last week, they get a free snack from Hype Snack Bar. Asher, do you think you got it? Hey, give it up for Asher. Okay, Asher, what do you, what do you want? Yeah, you can go over there. You 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 recited it. I'll allow this once. Okay, uh, so last year, going back last year, so we went over John. Jack was right. We went over the book of John. It took us the entire year, um, and we learned about the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, while studying John, we came to the conclusion that Jesus was fully man and also fully God, and uh, that he came to earth to live a perfect life, uh, to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And we studied, and we came to the conclusion that. The understanding of the truth that if we believe in Him uh, and trust Him as our Savior and commit our lives to follow His teachings and we are forgiven of our sins and we can be in a right relationship with God, and by doing that we have the hope of spending eternity with Jesus, with God in heaven after our earthly lives are over. Now that was a summary we talked about all of last year. I just summarized like 36 Sunday nights in a short paragraph. Now, take what we learned last year, and this year we're going to take that teaching that we learned, we're going to discuss it on how to live that teaching out within the context of the local church. So, uh, we're going to go through 1 Corinthians, we're going to see how to live out the gospel, what we taught and learned all last year, and how to live those truths out in the local church. So, Before we get into 1 Corinthians, I just want to set the scene a little bit for what 1 Corinthians is going to be about. So to set the scene for the church of Corinth, which the letter Corinthians was written to, um, I, I want you to imagine a large city, a large city that has a sinful reputation. Think of maybe Las Vegas. Anybody has heard of Las Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada? The nickname, does anybody know what the nickname of that city is, Las Vegas? That's L.A. Sin City. Yes, there is a negative reputation about Las Vegas. Uh, It's nicknamed Sin City because of various temptations uh, from the sins of lust, greed, selfishness, and so much more. Uh, Now, I want you to imagine a city like that that has that kind of reputation with no gospel presence, no true church in the city, no one sharing about the good news of Jesus, no good hope of forgiveness of sins. A situation like that should break our hearts and cause us to grieve an entire city living in sin and not knowing about the gospel of Jesus. Now, some of you might be here and be like, I really don't see the problem here. And one, and two, I really don't care. I would suggest to you and I would answer to you that the problem that's, that we should care about this because the problem of sin is that it separates us from having a right relationship with God. Without professing Jesus as your Savior and Lord and committing your life to him, when that person dies, they spend eternity in hell because of their sin. Here we see the town of Corinth that we're going to be talking about, this letter that Paul writes to. We see an entire city of people living in their sin, not knowing that the truth of Jesus so that they can be saved from their sin, this should grieve us. And this is partially why we do world operation, why we go through all the different countries and during our announcement time, is uh, to show you the literally billions of people who don't know Jesus and will end up in hell because they never accepted Jesus as their Savior. Now, this should cause us to live on mission and should uh, help us to have an attitude to share the gospel with whomever we interact with. Now, it's this attitude of being missional minded that we see Paul have when he uh, starts the church in Corinth. Now, uh, if you want to read about that, that's in Acts chapter 18. So, if you want to read that, I have the reference up there so you can write it down. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. Paul starts the church of Corinth at this point in time because he is burdened with sharing the gospel. With others now, after starting a church there, after witnessing and having multiple people trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, Paul uh, uh, he stays there for a year and a half, and then he moves to a different town to plant a different church in a different town. Four years later, so just to kind of give context of when this was written. Four years after Paul leaves Corinth, he writes this letter, and he addresses issues that were happening inside the church. Now, with having this mindset, the stage kind of put in front of us to visualize kind of where First Corinthians is uh, taking place. Let's start reading First Corinthians. So, if you open your scripture notebook uh, to chapter 1, one, First Corinthians, chapter one. And for this evening, we'll be focusing on the first nine verses of chapter one. So not too many verses. We're not going to take that much time um, in in chapter one tonight because we had to take some time to introduce it. So we're just going to look at the first nine verses. Now, there's something interesting about these first nine verses. Jesus is referenced either by name or by alluding to by a pronoun he or him ten times in nine verses. Now, when I read this, I want you to underline each time Jesus is referenced as we go through these verses to kind of get a a better picture of what we're going to talk about tonight. So, 1 Corinthians 1, starting verse 1 through 9. So, make sure you underline when you see the word Jesus. Paul, called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and so is our brother, to the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints with all those in every place who call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in him in every way, in all speech, all knowledge. And in this way the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you who do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by Him into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hopefully, you were underlining quite a bit. Like I said, it's Jesus is referenced a lot in these first nine verses. Um, and, and I'll, I'll go through them a little bit again um, if, in case you missed them. So because Jesus is the center stage, the focal point of this passage, I think it's safe to say that Paul is trying to tell the Corinthians, "Hey, like you have an identity in Christ." There's a lot of verses that talk about being in Christ or Christ being part of your life. And what Paul's really trying to address is the believer's identity in Christ. I'm going to go through that and what that means a little bit. So we see this all through these nine verses. Verse 1, Paul uh, refers to himself as his identity in Christ. He's an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then we see this for the next person that Paul uh, talks about, Sosthenes who is probably writing on behalf of Paul in 1 Corinthians. He's called a brother. And we can refer that, we can reference that as probably meaning brother in Christ. Verse 2, there's the church of God at Corinth, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints. Verse 4, believers are given grace from God in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, we see believers are lacking nothing, or not lacking any spiritual gifts while waiting for Jesus Verse eight believers will be seen as blameless in the day of Jesus Christ and that just refers to end times when the world is judged. Verse 9, God is faithful and believers are called by God into fellowship with Jesus Christ. Hopefully you get the picture that Paul is trying to draw the attention of his audience um, to be and he's calling them to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Paul is drawing the attention of the readers, of the people listening to him, or listening to this letter being spoken in person. He's trying to get them to understand truths that believers can hold on to who they are because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, there's three main points about a believer's identity in Christ that Paul writes about in these first nine verses that we're going to go through quickly tonight. First point is believers are sanctified. Second point, believers are strengthened. And third point, believers are secured. Yes, I like alliteration if you couldn't tell. Believers are sanctified, believers are strengthened, and believers are secured. Now, first point, believers are sanctified. Sanctified is a really big word that means holy or set apart. Now, for those who put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they are made holy in the eyes of God. They are made holy as God views them, and they're set apart from unbelievers to bring God glory and to be in a relationship with him. Now, the truth of being sanctified is that is something that is already but not yet. Now, I know some of you might be like, how can something have already happened but at the same time not happened yet? yet? Who else is confused by that statement, already but not yet? Like, how can something have happened but already not yet happened as well? Now, I want to think of you, time. Maybe you've never been in trouble. Maybe you are the angel child of your parents. But I don't know about you, but for me, when I got into trouble, when I was home, my mom caught me doing something wrong that I wasn't supposed to do. She would tell me, you know, your dad is going to know what you did. I'm going to tell your dad, and he's going to discipline you when he gets home. Now, I knew I was currently in trouble. I was very much currently in trouble. But there is an, an element of not yet fully in trouble because my dad had not come home yet. I was caught doing something wrong. I was in trouble. But I knew when my dad got home, the fullness of me being in trouble and my punishment and discipline was coming when he arrived at home. So there was this already but not yet of me being in trouble, being disciplined by my parents. Now, when it relates to believers, those who confess Jesus being sanctified, there is a truth that we are positionally set apart by God right now, that we are viewed as holy by God right now, even though we still struggle with sin. But at the end, when our lives are over here on earth, we will be able to go to heaven And believers not only be viewed as holy, but they will be able to live perfectly, never sinning again in heaven. But while we're on earth, we still struggle with sin, don't we? Like, we're in this stage where it's already, we know that we're declared holy by God. We're not in heaven yet. We're still living on earth. And while we live on earth, there's this element of still struggling with our sin. So while we struggle with sin and temptation, we know that Christ doesn't leave us alone but we're rather told that for a believer, we are strengthened. We see this in First Corinthians. So believers are strengthened. That's the second point. For a moment, I just want you to imagine uh, something. I want you to imagine that you had the ability to know the answers to any test that you ever take. I want you to imagine that. It could be a math test. It could be a chemistry test. It could be an English test. But imagine that whenever you look at a question, you instantly knew the answer. Now, who would want that ability? I, I wish I would have had that when I was going through school, just to see a question and be like, yep, I already know the answer automatically. I'm going to ace every single test, right? Now, when you become a believer, you are given the Holy Spirit, and it dwells in you. It resides, takes residence in you your soul. And because believers have the Holy Spirit, you have the ability to recognize sin when you see it. You are given the ability when you see sin to see it, to say no to it, and to say yes to glorifying God. Now, this means when, we're, we, when we are in a, a situation, maybe it's during the day, maybe it's during the night, maybe we're in a crowd of unbelievers, maybe we're by ourselves. In any situation when we are tempted to sin, we have the spiritual power and strength because of the Holy Spirit to say no to sin. Now, we as believers do not lack any gifting or strength to say no to sin, but rather we, have, we, we do not lack any of those strengths to say no, and neither do we lack any strength to say yes. We have all the strength to say no, and we have all the power and strength to say yes because of the Holy Spirit residing in us. Now, even though this is true, but what's the reality? We still sin, right? We sin every day. We, we think, we focus on a sinful thought too long. We have a prideful attitude about something. We say something or do something that is hurtful to someone else. We all do this. We all sin every single day. We fail to love God and we fail to love others perfectly. Even failing to love to the perfect standard is still sin. It is missing the mark of God's perfection that He has. So, the reality is, even though we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we still, if you're a believer, you confess Jesus, we still sin daily. Even though we are often unfaithful to God, He is faithful to us because of Jesus Christ. Because of this, we know that believers are secured in Jesus. This comes to the third and final point here in 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9, is believers are secured. We see this in the last two verses of 1 Corinthians. So if you want to look at your scripture notebook, follow with me, verses 8 and 9. It says, He will strengthen you to the end so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. You were called by Him into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what we see here is clearly that it is by God's power and God's power alone that believers stay in a relationship with Him. God strengthens so that it says we are blameless. We are seen as perfect. He is faithful even when we choose our sin. Now, this doesn't mean that when we sin, we don't have any consequences. Because the, the reality is, is our, still sin, our, our sin still hurts others that we sin against. It hurts others around us. And when we sin, we grieve God's Spirit. Which that just means when we sin, we actually hinder the work of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. Because instead of choosing godliness, and ch- instead of choosing what glorifies God, we're choosing our sin. But when we repent of our sin, then we are receptive again to the work spirit, the, the spirit's work in our lives once again. Now, that's what happens when we sin. But we're told when we repent, God is faithful not only to forgive us, but to continue to work in our lives. And that's something that we must hold on to and be reminded of. Now, this uh, these three main points, believers are sanctified, strengthened, and secured. These are what Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. Now, I just want to briefly ask you this question, why? Why do you think Paul is writing this to and starting off his letter to the church of Corinth? Why is Paul writing about a believer's identity in Jesus. What, how does that make sense in the flow of his whole letter? Now, I want to say this. Paul is writing this as a, as a section, as a foundation. He's Think of building a house. You have to build a foundation before you can build the walls, before you can put in certain rooms, before you can build a roof. He's starting with a foundation in his letter to Corinth Uh, and what he's going to be writing later. The rest of the letter is going to be the walls and the rooms and the the windows and the doors and the roof to his letter. So he's starting at the foundation. Now, um, he's starting there. He's writing this section as a foundation to what he's going to write later as he will address sin that is happening in this church of Corinth, the sin of their sexual sin, idolatrous sin, divisions, and false teaching. But this then also begs another question. Why is understanding our identity in Christ foundational before discussing any sins that are occurring in the church? Why is this discussing or talking about our identity in Christ foundational before talking about sins in this church? That, that's kind of the root question I want you to ponder and think about. Because here's the big takeaway that I think is the answer to that question is when we choose our sin, when we choose to sin over choosing to glorify God, we have forgotten the truths of our identity in Christ. When we choose our sin over choosing to glorify God, we have forgotten the truths of our identity in Christ. This means that when we choose our sin, we're believing lies that Satan is tempting us with, that our identity in Christ isn't good enough, that our identity in Christ isn't sufficient. It it doesn't satisfy. So at the root of a situation where a born-again believer chooses their sin, they are forgetting in that moment the fullness of their identity in Christ. I think that's why Paul thought it would be important to start off his letter to the Corinthians with truths about who believers are in Christ. And as Paul will continue to address various sins that are happening in the church, we will have the truth about our identity in Christ. We need to keep that in mind as we see what lies ahead um, and for the people in the Corinthian church as Paul addresses various situations. But before I want to close tonight and we go into small groups, I, I just want to ask you this question, this question that kind of comes out of this idea of our identity in Christ. First, do you find your identity in Christ? That's a very foundational question because before you can answer that, or before you go on and learn about other things that we're going to talk about in 1 Corinthians, before we talk about different sins and struggles and things like that, We first need to answer the question, you know, do we even find our identity in Christ? Do we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, do we trust in Him? Do we submit our lives to Him? You know, are we following Him? Do we find our identity in Christ? If not, I ask the question, what's holding you back? If you do find your identity in Christ, I ask you, what lies about your identity in Christ are you tempted with that you believe when you choose to sin? If you find your identity in Christ, what lies about that are you tempted to believe when you choose to sin? Because we all believe in something, and if we're not grounded in our identity in Christ, we're going to believe in different lies and temptations that Satan throws our way, and we're going to believe that, uh, that Christ isn't as good as he, think that, that he says he is, that Christ isn't as sufficient, he's not able to satisfy us as the Bible says he is, that Christ isn't good enough. Those are all lies that Satan tempts us with when we choose to sin, when we choose to do our own thing over glorifying God. I just want you to think about this question. You know, Do you find your identity in Christ? With ending with that, I want to close in prayer before we go into small groups. So, you're going to close your notebooks, put your pens away, close your eyes, bow your head, and fold your hands. Father God, I just want to thank you tonight. I just want to thank you for all the students who are here, for all the uh, volunteers who helped put on um, our hype Sunday nights. God, I just want to pray that um, for each person here tonight, after hearing about um, what it means to have an identity in you and the benefits from that, God, I pray that we would um, desire to have our identity in you, that we would desire to submit to you, that we would desire to follow you, that we would desire... To worship you in all things and in all ways, God, I just pray that um, in small groups that we would have great discussions and talking about who you are and um, how much we need you in our lives. God, I pray that you would keep us safe for the rest of this evening and as students travel back home. We love you. We serve you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.